Welcome to the Game Plan Podcast with Judah Newby and Brian Perkins, breaking down all things Seahawks. Well, the Seahawks can't get it done on the road with a loss to the Denver Broncos, 27-24. They had a chance. Final drive of the game couldn't make it happen. No week one magic. We've seen week one losses before. We've seen week one road losses before. But this, of course, takes a different uh, prism with the personnel transition in the offseason from one era to another. What does it mean for the rest of the year? But what does it mean for week one? Alongside Brian Perkins, I'm Chu Danubi on the Game Plan Podcast. Perkins, as we fire up the box score and take a look at this 27-24 to 24 defeat. Uh, on the first thing, you look at Russell Wilson's stat line, 19 for 33, 298 yards. The three touchdowns is great. The two interceptions is not great. What's terrible, the six sacks for 56 yards lost. Not the best day for Russell, but in Pete Carroll's comments, both after the game and this morning, on 710 ESPN Seattle, they couldn't protect for the dude. And they couldn't. They just couldn't block for him well in pass protection. Russell could have played better in some moments. How can he play better, though, when he's constantly under duress? Yeah. And, you know, you and I talked about this as a main concern, right, with Von Miller uh, coming uh, coming in and uh, the, the type of havoc that he can wreak, which we saw. I mean, he is just a game wrecker. But, you know, a couple of those sacks Wilson took responsibility for after the game, and I would I would say that is the case. Uh, once again, we're seeing Wilson not necessarily taking what the defense is giving him, I think, sometimes. Uh, there was... Uh, some footage after the game where you saw, you know, players wide open for, you know, maybe a three or four yard gain. He didn't get rid of the football. It wasn't his best effort. Look, it wasn't a great game all around for the offense outside of a few players that stood out, which I'm sure you'll get to here in a second, Judah, one in particular, right? Having a historic day. But I think that, you know, Wilson has proven himself throughout the, throughout his time. And, um, you know, he's he's been criticized pretty heavily these last uh 24 hours, but he's going to bounce back. I mean, he's a good quarterback. He's a top-tier quarterback, but uh, definitely not his best uh, his best game to date. And unfortunately, when the margin of error is what it is for the Seahawks and Russell Wilson is your best player, especially on the offensive side of the ball, every mistake that's made, whether it's by the offensive line, whether it's by Russ, whether it's by a receiver or a running back, is going to be amplified because they just don't have the room for error anymore. A lot of talk about wanting to emphasize the run this season. Seattle rushes the ball only 16 times in the game for a total of 64 yards. Seven carries for eight yards for the first-round pick for Shad Penny. Chris Carson goes seven for 51 with a 24-yard rush in there, averaging 7.3, but he does cough up the ball in the process. 16 carries as a team, that's not enough, and certainly 64 yards isn't either. Well, and and if you actually take out Russ's two runs, which were both scrambles, 14 designed run calls in this game for Seattle. And you could verse that to 19 or 19 completions and 33 pass attempts. I mean, that's just not a whole lot of plays in this game. No, it's not a lot. And once again, it was one of those bizarre, weird first halves where you know, Seattle on their first offensive possession didn't do anything. And then the, the Seahawks come away with the Earl Thomas interception, right? And the Seahawks score on the ensuing play. So the offense barely saw the field in that first quarter at all. Um, but then you take into account, you know, you look at what they did as a team on third down. Really, really bad on third down this game. 
And uh, all in all, it was just kind of one of those bland Seattle offensive performances that was pretty forgettable outside of Will Disley. Two for 12 on third down. That's how you lose football games right there. Will Disley, you mentioned him, historic day for him. Three catches for 105 yards and a touchdown. He had a 66-yard catch along the way. Great effort as well. Caught three of his five targets. Really great effort. First time a, a tight end in the NFL has had 100 yards or more receiving in their first NFL game since the 1960s. I mean, that's that's saying something you about Bob Trumpy in 68. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that says something, right, about uh, the way that he played. And, you know, he's really living up to that 88 number. Good to see. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Tyler Lockett, three catches for 59. Brandon Marshall, three for 46. And each of them had a touchdown. Yeah, and I think, Jude, I don't know about you, but that was kind of the, the, the real bright spot offensively as well. You know, with Baldwin out now, not only are you asking Russell Wilson to step up and play well, but now his best receiver's out. Probably for a month, maybe, if it's a sprained MCL. We're talking two to six weeks, and he's already dealing with a knee injury on the other knee. Uh, that's going to be a tough ask, but, you know, B. Marsh, he had the push-off in the end zone that led to them uh, settling for a field goal, but he also... Uh, had the really nice touchdown catch in this game. What was that? Uh, the, that like the 20-yarder, right? Uh, that Wilson just threw on a dime to Marshall. Lockett looked like he was up to full speed. So some really nice, uh, some really nice opportunities for Seattle. But I think that uh, you're going to have to really have these guys step up big time if Baldwin's out for any period of time, which it looks like he will be. Four catches for Rashad Penny. He did contribute some in the uh, pass-catching category. Three catches for Chris Carson. A catch piece for Nick Vanette, Jaron Brown, and the fullback Trey Madden. Seattle fumbled three times in this game. The fumble lost for Chris Carson. Wilson fumbled twice, but was able to recover both of his. But we remember the the, the Wilson fumble we will remember was with, what, 30 seconds left in this game in that final I know you called it a drive, but it's hard to call it a drive, even though technically I know it is because it was just such a cluster from the get-go, pretty yeah. much. Um, and I got to tell you, I was pretty confident Seattle would t- would have a chance to tie the game with a field goal. A minute left. I know they didn't have any timeouts. They were starting, you know what, on their 15, 20-yard line somewhere in there. But I felt like, given what we have seen Wilson do in the past when the game is on the line, I kind of expected them to at least put themselves in position for a long field goal attempt. But it was all for naught. Defensively, not the Seahawks we're accustomed to seeing, and it's not going to be that way all year. This is a new identity, a new Seahawks defense. The one constant, Earl Thomas, who was able to report late to camp, of course, he had one of the three interceptions of Case Keenum. That's the good. The bad? Case Keenum got you for 329 yards, averaging 8.4 yards an attempt, and three touchdowns, and you only sacked him once. Case Keenum wasn't exceptionally good in this game, yet had a really good stat line, which is not very encouraging. And a, a big reason for that, I mean, first of all, when Earl Thomas sat out two possessions in this game, he was kind of on a pitch count a little bit because you know he missed most of training camp with the holdout or all of training camp, I should say. But man, when he was out, the Seahawks just looked like a different team, did they? And not in a good way. And then also, you you have to obviously, if we're talking about the secondary, talk about Trey Flowers and the situation that he was put in, right? Coming into the season, what was he going to be? Third string, maybe? Maxwell goes down with the injury. Uh, we see the late news on Friday that Flowers is going to, uh, in or on Saturday, I mean, indeed be starting in this game. And 
the Broncos took advantage of that big time. Uh, he definitely struggled in this one. Took them a while to get Keenum and Demarius Thomas going, but once they did, it resulted in six catches for 63 yards and a touchdown for Demarius Thomas, but especially Emmanuel Sanders feasted in this game. Ten catches for a buck 35 and a touchdown. Ten catches on 11 targets for Emmanuel Sanders. And a lot of this was just not – it was it was poor coverage on relatively – Shallow routes. I mean, was Sanders doing a lot after the catch, making things happen? Great for Denver, but Seattle defensively, that's a lot of work for Ken Norton to figure out. Yeah, they have some things to figure out. I, I don't know if you're very encouraged after watching this game. And you, you knew there was going to be a fall off, but you're, I mean, how many points is the offense going to have to score uh, to win games this season? High 20s, week in, week out, especially against, you know, top tier, higher end offenses like the Rams. Uh, you know, and some of these other teams, the Packers, assuming that Aaron Rodgers is healthy, it's uh, it's going to be a big test for this team. How about the game for Von Miller? Seven total, seven combined tackles, six for himself, and one assisted, three sacks, and two forced fumbles. I mean, this guy's a menace. He is. And the forced fumble, it's, it's hard to even call it a fumble, the one on Chris Carson, because he literally just took the ball out of his hands. <laughs> It was amazing. I mean, it was an incredible play. I mean, you're watching it, and Carson kind of the, the ball's a little bit out. You know, like as he's getting tackled, you can see his arm kind of come out, and Von Miller just takes advantage. He's just such an instinctive player. It's unbelievable the impact that he had on that game, and uh, you know what? He made Jermaine Effetti look foolish multiple times. Denver's looking for balance in the run game. Both Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman had 15 carries for 71 yards. I think that will get it done. They averaged 4.6 yards a rush as a team. That's way too high for the Seahawks. 32 carries for 146 yards total. Pair that with Keenum's passing stats, and Denver outgained Seattle in this game, 470 to 306. Yeah, and uh, you know that run game, the run defense did button up. I don't know if you noticed, Judah, but in the third quarter and about halfway through the fourth quarter, the run defense looked much better for Seattle. But when they needed it most... Late in the fourth quarter, we saw Denver move the ball, which is why Seattle only had that one minute of clock left uh, to try to go down and get a win. Well, the team that can run the football, they had the football, 35 minutes. The team that couldn't and didn't had it for 24-52. And this is the biggest thing to me. Time of possession is going to be a big deal for the Seahawks this year. Why? Because their defense isn't very good. The offense has to stay on the field. You can't have a lot of three and outs. I know you have a great punter, uh, Michael Dixon, who set freaking records like his first game in the NFL, and that's great. But you have to have better time of possession if you want to win because you just can't allow these offenses to march up and down on your defense like that. Your Russell Wilson, this offense, has to be better. 25-13, to 13, Denver had the advantage in first downs. And you also, I, I'm sure it's happened. I can't remember the last time, though, that the Seahawks defense had three turnovers forced and lost the football game. Yeah. I, I mean, so much is always made of turnovers in the Pete Carroll philosophy. And I, I I believe, in the back of my head, I feel like that's happened to him before. But, I mean, you force three turnovers and lose? Uh, it's tough. I mean, that's really discouraging, isn't it? And not only that, but you force three turnovers, and Denver still moves the ball with these pretty much the entire game. Now, I think the one, I mean, you think about this, Pete Carroll brought this up as well. This is different faces on a Denver team, no question, with their new quarterback, new running back, and what have you. But it's still a franchise that, in their last 18 home openers, had only lost once. And that was to a Sebastian Janikowski field goal in 2011. Pete Carroll said in the back of his head he was thinking that that was going to happen again. 
But Denver historically very, very good in season openers. I don't know if you're, you know, saying credit Denver for that or what have you. And Seattle historically, conversely, not very good in road openers. Yeah, not very good at all. But the problem with that, and I and I get that the statistics weren't in Seattle's favor. Also, you're dealing with the high altitude, which clearly affected Chris Carson and a few other players throughout this game. But I'm telling you, this you look at the Seahawks schedule and you know, the, the first half of the season is really, if they want to make a push for the playoffs, is going to be the time they have to take advantage. The, t- the teams that look like are going to be good are, you know, Seattle gets at home early in the year. You know, road games against a team like Denver that I don't think is going to be a very good team this year. I don't know if they showed much in this game to to, to think that they're more than a mediocre football team. Uh, I mean, that's the frustrating part is Seattle had an opportunity despite playing the way that they did, and a lot of it had to do with forcing three turnovers, and they they let it get away. It's yeah. frustrating. At the Bears next week, that's a Mitchell Trubisky team. You know, Dak Prescott has certainly not impressed recently. They get him week three. Who knows what's going on with Arizona? That's on the road week four. Those are all four winnable games, including week one, and that's already an 0-1 start. The white line, by the way, is inbounds in the NFL now. Oh, on the touchdown, yeah. Yeah. They reviewed that. Pete Carroll said that he still doesn't understand it. He's still he he's not sure how they came to that conclusion. They said the call stands, which means they didn't have enough evidence to overturn it. But yeah, I mean they probably would have scored anyway. On who, but depending on who you root for, you know, next few possessions. But that was a tough call. Yeah, it really was a tough call. All right, Brian Perkins, um, biggest takeaway from this game for you? Negatively, defensive line. Uh, I mean, absolute no show. One sack. I think they had five quarterback hits the entire game. Case Keenum really shot himself in the foot. I mean, he did not play well in general in this game, which doesn't shock me because I don't think Case Keenum's a very good quarterback. But, man, how do you not get any pressure? The run game wasn't very good. The, the front seven in general, but the defensive line especially, Judah, was really, really disappointing. And the problem is they don't have the pieces to fix it. You know, I mean, they had some guys that showed out in preseason. Rasheem Green, did we say his name once that game? Deion Jordan, I remember him making maybe, I think, one play in the second half that was of any memorability. And the problem is with him, he's coming off the injury, but just an absolute no-show from the defensive line. And I don't see it getting any better. That's the problem. And to me, that's how you win football games is in the trenches. And when your secondary's in question, you have injuries at linebacker, you need that defensive line to get pressure on the quarterback and to be able to, you know, plug up those holes in the run game. And they just weren't able to do it. And that is a major, major concern moving forward. The good for me is the turnovers, the two interceptions by Bradley McDougal, the one for Earl Thomas. Uh, in this sense, as you mentioned, it's probably going to be a bend, don't break type of defense, but with a lot of bend. Uh, one way that you don't break is by breaking the opposition and forcing turnovers. We'll see if that's going to be sustainable, but maybe not three turnovers a game or three interceptions a game. But it's good to see the safeties coming up big and being able to make some plays. Yeah, Errol Thomas in, in midseason form, it looked like, uh, when he had opportunities on the field, which is great to see. For me, uh, a positive takeaway, this is obvious, but um, I, I really like Disley and his play. It seems like Russell has found a guy that uh, can have a big-time impact in the passing game, and you're going to need it with uh, Doug Baldwin out for a period of time and probably dealing with knee issues the entire season, you're going to need guys like Disley to step up. But maybe Seattle has found a tight end of the future, which is encouraging. Negative one for me, it's the rushing attack, and particularly less the production, but 
more, uh, we need Brian Schottenhaber and Pete Carroll to get on the same page and quickly because it seems like they weren't on the same page in uh, the first game of the year. Understandably so. It's their first game together, but you need to get that simpatico in a hurry in order to maximize production. We, uh, you mentioned him earlier, but we got to give a major shout-out to Michael freaking Dixon. He averaged 59 yards a punt. That's insane. Four of them inside the 20. I mean, this guy might be just a different type of punter than we've ever seen. Could you argue he was their best defense in that game? I mean, pinning them back deep the way he did time after time was uh, was pretty damn impressive. It, it, granted, in Denver, you know, where punters normally punt pretty well, so I want to see him in a non-altitude environment. Of course. But for your first game in the NFL, that's nice. Yeah, very nice. All right, uh, let's quickly uh, peek ahead at the Week 2 opponent, the Chicago Bears. Boy, what a game last night. Chicago goes up 20 to nothing with Aaron Rodgers hurt early. A-Rod comes back with nine minutes to go in the third quarter, trailing by 20 points. Chicago does poorly, executing and play calling down the stretch. A-Rod makes him pay. Green Bay wins 24-23. Scary part about Chicago Bears is that that defense is for real. Roquan Smith's played sparingly, uh, but Khalil Mack did, did not. I mean, they used him quite a bit in that game, and he was all over the place, had an interception for a touchdown and forced a fumble, made a few sacks. It's going to be tough for Chicago's home opener on Monday Night Football. It is. I mean, Mac had a hat trick, <laughs> yeah. a defensive hat trick in that no. game. So that's going to be difficult. I agree. Uh, and, you know, at first blush, maybe that Chicago offense is going to still be working out some kinks uh, going into that game with Seattle. Because if you take away the defensive touchdown, what really did Chicago do uh, offensively? Not a lot against an improved Packers defense, but I do think that there's an opportunity there. Maybe you'll uh, be able to make some plays defensively. But, man, Khalil Mack, I, I'm assuming that uh, that offensive line, uh, Solari, uh, as the coach, are having nightmares right now trying to figure out how to contain him. And a look around the rest of the division. The Vikings beat the San Francisco 49ers 24-16. to Jimmy Garoppolo loses for the first time as a starting quarterback in the NFL, making three interceptions for Jimmy G. 49ers drop to 0-1. Cardinals it's going to be a long year for them. They get blown out at home 24-6 to as Alex Smith for the Redskins uh, has two touchdown passes. Adrian Peterson, 26 carries for 96 yards and a touchdown. Cardinals, unimpressive at uh, and shut out through three quarters to lose 24-6. to We'll get the other NFC West rival, the LA Rams, tonight on Monday Night Football on the road visiting the Oakland Raiders. Shout out to the Browns. Way to snap that uh, losing streak. Good job, guys. Unbelievable. Sam Darnold, looking forward to him debuting tonight for the New York Jets. Seattle did score once every quarter this game against Denver. I mean, from a a score standpoint, it could have been worse offensively than the raw numbers would suggest, but a lot of it has to do with the field position and the opportunity in the situations. Um, You know, it's going to be hard to see exactly what this offense is going to be. Until it's until it's pieced together, quarters one through four. And your kicker missed a forty-six yard field goal. It's twenty seventeen all over again, baby. He's Brian Perkins. I'm Chuda Newby. We'll see you later on in the week for a full preview of week two. Seattle and the Chicago Bears on bum 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 bum. Dunna dunna. <laughs> Monday night football. This is the game plan podcast.